You're listening to the official South Bay Church podcast. For more about us, please visit southbaychurch.us. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Welcome. Merry Christmas. A few days late. And uh, yeah, it's, it's so good to be with you guys this morning. I've already met uh, a few individuals that I've never met before. So it seems like there's uh, some friends and family visiting. So welcome, uh, friends and family from out of town uh, or from in town. Um, I want to send a special welcome to my family, who they're all here this morning. It might be the first time they've all been together in South Bay in, I don't know, five or six years. But we have Brian and Karen here. And... And uh, Daniel and Candice, and Mikey, Michael, and then of course my wife, and my kids are actually in service too. Um, They've been trying to get over a cold, so we didn't want to spread the germs. Well, we wanted to spread them with you, not your kids. Uh, (laughs) So I hope you guys had a great Christmas celebration. I wanted to share a few pictures of... uh, just our Christmas celebration. So the first, there's Zeke. So he's, he's got his uh, new Superman underwear with his reindeer pajamas and some fox boots. So watch for that trend. Um, he got his Baymax doll. He will not let go of it. <laughs> um, the next one, he got his first Nerf gun, which... The Nerf guns they make these days are a lot more powerful than back in the day. So a little frightening. And then uh, Carrie, she got a skateboard. We bought our 15-month-old a skateboard. Um, And then she's trying to eat her pancake mix. And let's see, here's the whole family. We uh, walking through Naples. We had a lot of fun, just total family time, chill, no appointments, nothing. It was awesome. Hopefully you guys had a similar experience. Uh, today we're going to be closing out our sermon series titled Simple. And the goal behind this series is to bring simplicity to a complex season. And hopefully after a day or two of celebrating, you guys feel like your lives are a little bit more simple rather than more complex. Uh, especially before we go into the new year, because things are going to get crazy, I think, right away. Um, But like I said, this is the last one of the series. Simple Celebration is the title today. And this is coming off of uh, three weeks um, of simple life, simple truth, and simple joy. Um, If you didn't get to listen to those, you can listen to them on our podcast or our website. But today, the the primary text is out of Joshua chapter 3 and 4. Um, And so if you guys want to turn there, I'm going to give you a little background on what's going on in Joshua chapter 3. So in Joshua chapter 3, we have the Israelites standing on the banks of the Jordan River. And what, what led them to the banks of the Jordan River? Well, for 430 years, they were exiled in Egypt. And then they were freed from Egypt by Pharaoh. Moses came in. And, and took them out of there and led them to the Red Sea. And they came to the Red Sea and, and God and Moses uh, parted, well, God parted the waters, but waters, uh, uh, walls of water. And they walked through on dry, dry land through the Red Sea. And when they get to the other side, the Egyptians changed their mind and started pursuing them along the way. 
They get to the other side. The moment the last Israelite steps out of the Red Sea, the waters come caving in and, and uh, destroy the, the Egyptians that pursued them. So then after that, they wandered the desert for 40 years in, in search and hope of this promised land that God, was, that God had in store for them. But one generation of Israelites, the generation that had been freed from Egypt, they had forgotten about God along the way. And they, they, they grumbled against God and they forgot about his faithfulness. They forgot about how mighty and holy he is. And so they ended up passing away in the desert. So this is a new generation of Israelites that's now standing on the banks of the Jordan River. They've heard of the promised land. Their parents had probably told them about it and here they are. And Joshua finally gets the go ahead from God. It's time. It's time to cross over. But there was still one problem. There was, a, there was a river in the way. And this wasn't just a little stream that you'd get your shoes a little bit wet. This was a raging river. It was at flood stage. And it said that it might have been around 100 feet wide and maybe 10 feet deep at this point. The water is, is raging by. And so even the best swimmer might have been able to make it across. But we're talking 2 million people with their belongings and their animals there's no ferry, no bridge, no nothing. So, so this is where we're at. This is what we come to in Joshua chapter 3. So pick it up with me in verse 8. Tell the priests, this is God speaking, tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. Joshua said to the Israelites, come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. This is how you will know that the living God is among you and that he will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites, Hittites, Hivites, Parasites, Girgashites, Amorites, and Jebusites. See, the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of all the earth will go ahead into the Jordan. Now then, choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. As soon as the priests who carry the Ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, Set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is at flood stage during harvest. Yet as soon as the priests uh, who carried the Ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at the town of Adam in the, vicinity, in the vicinity of Zarethan, while the water flowing downstream to the Dead Sea was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite, the opposite Jericho. The priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on, on dry ground, while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had, completely, had completed the crossing on dry ground. So just to kind of set up, if you don't already have an image in your mind, we have this raging river and God commands these priests who are carrying the Ark of the Covenant to just start walking into the river that's raging. And the moment their toes touch the water, the water just vanishes upstream. And for many years, I thought of it as like just a wall of water that was just kind of like standing there. And they're like, oh gosh, the water. but it just vanished. This city of Adam was about 15 to 20 miles upstream. So one minute it's raging, the next it's gone. And then the water continued flowing downstream. And these, and these priests, they go stand in the middle of the Jordan. 
That's just such a cool, a cool thought, a cool sight. That priests just standing in the middle. What security that must have brought the nation of Israel. And so Israel, they just walk across. Two million people, they walk across on dry ground. Let's continue reading in Joshua chapter 4, verse 1. When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Choose twelve men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up twelve stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests are standing, and carry them over uh, with you and put them down at the place where you will stay tonight. So Joshua called together the twelve men, he had, he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and said to them, Go over before the ark of the Lord, your God, into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites, to serve as a sign among you. <clears throat> In the future, when your children ask you, because children ask a lot of questions, right? What do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off, before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. So the Israelites did as Joshua commanded them. They took 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites, as the Lord had told Joshua, and they carried them over with them to their camp, where they put them down. Joshua set up 12 stones that had been in the middle of the Jordan at the spot where the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant stood. And they are there to this day. Okay, so Joshua, he tells everyone has crossed over, 2 million people. And just to give you an idea, um, last July 2014, the population of Los Angeles was just under 4 million. So half of the population of Los Angeles is crossing over this Jordan River. And so they all get across. The priests are still standing in the middle of this river. And then Joshua, he calls these 12, these 12 guys that he had appointed. He's like, okay, go back in. They finally, their, their feet are finally touching the promised land. And now they've been commissioned to go get these stones. And so they go in. And these aren't just little pebbles that they're like heaving up onto their shoulder. They're, these are big stones. These are memorials. So that they won't get swept away in any kind of sandstorm or anything. They're, they're picking up these stones. And while they do that, Joshua takes kind of matters into his own hands. He, he has this own little project he's working on. And he goes into the middle of the, the river. And he sets up a memorial right where the priests had been standing. I can, I can picture Steve doing this. You know, hey guys, you, you go do that. You handle those stones. I got a project of my own over here. Just to make sure that no one forgets what happened on this day. And so this is what we come into. The nation has finally crossed into the promised land. And I was thinking about uh, about a month ago during one of our sermons, we watched a video documenting some of the Syrian refugees that were landing on the shores of Greece. And I was looking at some pictures and I saw this picture of a guy who it was, I mean, he was barely out of the water and he was just down on his knees, crying, arms raised, praying with people hugging him, probably his family hugging him. But I imagine that the Israelites must have been experiencing the same kind of reactions. Finally, finally, truly free. This is what God has been promising our ancestors, our parents, 
for so many years. Finally, after 40 years, here they are. The last person finished crossing. Joshua sent these 12 men in. And, uh, and I want to jump over to Joshua chapter 4. Or, sorry, we're already in 4. Jump over to verse 21. This is, this is what God instructs. He has all these instructions, but I love this last part. It says in verse 21, He said to the Israelites, In the future, when your children ask their parents, What do these stones mean? Tell them, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan what he had done to the Red Sea when he dried it up before us until we had crossed over. He did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful and so that you might always fear the Lord your God. So in keeping with this theme of simplicity, I have one point for you today, and it's a simple one. Remember and celebrate. Remember and celebrate. So why memorial stones? Why did God instruct Joshua to have these stones of remembrance set in place? When he commanded Joshua to do this, He didn't want the same forgetful tendencies to plague this generation as it had the last generation. The generation that died in the desert because they forgot. Because they forgot and and in doing so, they didn't celebrate God. Being a dad of two little ones and a youth minister, the next generation is always on my mind. God calls us to have memorial stones, not just so that we remember but so we can pass it on to our kids so that when we're long gone, our kids will remember and they will tell their children. They will tell the next generation. They'll tell their friends. This is not just about us. It's about our children. And just as God said, it's for Israel forever. We are a part of that forever. It has continued to be passed down. So for future Peckmans and Johnsons, and Lees, and Sujimotos, and Mills, and Blandins, and so on, will know that the hand of the Lord is powerful. And so that they might always fear the Lord our God. Parents, this is a divine responsibility that God has commissioned to you. Joshua didn't say to send your kids to the Levites, to the priests, when they start asking these questions about the stones. He said, tell them yourself what happened this day. Parents, a special practical for you is to tell your kids about the miracles that God has done in your life. They'll especially love to hear about the miracles that happened before they were born. The old you. And just a few prompt questions to get your your juices flowing. What was a time when God came through for you when you were absolutely desperate? How has God transformed you from the teenager you were to the person you are today. Think about that. That might be your next family devo. Um, One that they will never forget. Um, But these memorials, we have memorials in lives to help us remember and celebrate. And we have all kinds of memorials in life. We found a memorial just the other day. Actually, Brian and Karen did. If you can pull up the next slide. This is a picture of... 
uh, yeah, I think Catherine posted it on Facebook. But I'm going to read what Catherine wrote as a 14-year-old and looking into the future, what she wanted her life to be like and just some dreams, prayers that she had. So my dreams when I'm 40. Okay, she's 24 right now. So some of these came 16 years sooner. The wife of a minister or teen leader, married with three kids, living in California. Oh, and the three kids, two boys and one girl. And she thinks we're going to have another boy before she read this. Um, Let's see. Graduated college. um, Well off financially and spiritually. uh, Spiritually for sure. Um, still friends with everyone that she was friends with at that time. One thing I really appreciate about Catherine is she has, she has maintained so many of her old friendships from childhood, uh, which is really cool. Um, let's see, pets, in shape, uh, after babies, (laughs) relationships, an attractive woman. She nailed that one. So there you go. But this is a memorial stone. When we come across things like this, We're just amazed at God's power, at what God is doing behind the scenes when we don't even realize it. And so uh, 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 some other forms of memorials are photos. We love photos. Photos remind us of seasons in life, friends in life, uh, times that we went through. I was thinking of also marks on the wall when you're measuring your kid's height over the years. And you look back and you just, you marvel in just the development of your kids and being parents and a wedding ring. This is a constant memorial stone right here of the commitment of the joy of marriage we we see roadside memorials tattoos can be memorials maybe maybe they're regretted memorials or positive (laughs) memorials but depending on the tattoo and the season of life maybe Um, carvings on trees a heart with your initials in it well not yours but yours and your significant other (laughs) I love myself um Handprints in cement, you know, with your kids' initials in them. Catherine and I, we put our initials on a dollar bill at the Buck Snort restaurant in the hills of Colorado and, and stapled it to the wall. So someday we'll go back and see that. Um, songs. Um, you know, I know my dad and Brian as well, always reminding us of when they heard this song for the first time, way back in the day. And uh, they just take you back to those moments. Um, journals. <laughs> <laughs> Not too far back in the day. <laughs> Journals and blogs and cards, gifts, family heirlooms, even scars can be memorial stones. But what does God want us to remember and celebrate above all else? That he is mighty, that nothing is too difficult for him to accomplish, no depth too low or height too great for his reach. The Lord is mighty and faithful. And this phrase, lest we forget. I love it. I was thinking of of that song, but lest we forget. Just in case you forget. Because let's face it, to some degree, we all have memory loss. Even if we say, I'll never forget this moment, or I will always remember when you did this for me. We easily forget. Look at the previous generation of Israelites. God split the sea, the Red Sea, in two, so they could cross over to the other side. Moments later, he devoured their enemies in the waters as he drowned them. What an amazing, what an amazing moment to be a part of in, in history. 
And yet, and, and in Exodus 15, they sing this glorious song of gratitude to God, right? As they, as they come out of the waters of the Red Sea or out of the, the land, they sing these verses. These are just a few. I'd, I'd really encourage you guys to go read Exodus 15, but I'm just going to read a few for you. I will sing to the Lord for he is highly exalted. The Lord is my strength and my defense. The Lord is a warrior. Your right hand, Lord, was majestic in power. By the blast of your nostrils, the waters piled up. Who among the gods is like you, Lord? In your unfailing love, you will lead the people you have redeemed. The Lord reigns forever and ever. These are the words. This is a song that the Israelites sang to God after they came out of the Red Sea. But what happened to this generation? Well, they forgot. Three days after singing this song of gratitude, in the same chapter, in Exodus 15, they are grumbling about the water not being clean enough. It was bitter. They couldn't drink it. They walked through a sea, and three days later, they're complaining about water. To bring that close to home, imagine we're standing on the shores of the Pacific Ocean in PV, and suddenly the waters part all the way to Catalina Island. And this is on a Monday, and we get to walk over to Catalina Island. And then on Thursday, we're in traffic and we're complaining about the people in front of us. Or we're, we're, we have negative thoughts about how our, sp how our spouse was, you know, what they said to us that morning. Or our kids were disobedient. Or I don't make enough money. Or I wish I had this. Or on and on and on. Grumbling and complaining. And yet, three days earlier, you saw the most amazing thing that, you, that you'll probably see in your lifetime. They forgot. Can you imagine what God felt when, they heard, when he heard that? This forgetful tendency plagues the Israelites as they wandered the desert. They forgot who God is. They forgot about his power, his faithfulness, his love for them, his miracles and blessings. But you know who didn't forget what God had done for the Israelites? Their enemies. Look over in Joshua chapter 2. Joshua chapter 2, verse 10. <clears throat> Thanks, guys. <clears throat> it says in verse 10, we have heard, oh, this is, uh, okay, so let me set this up real quick. So they're, they're still on the other side of the Jordan. They haven't crossed over yet. And Joshua sends two spies into Jericho because Jericho awaited them on the other side of the Jordan. He sends two spies in to just see what's going on in this, in this city because this is, this is enemy territory. So these spies go in. They meet this lady named Rahab. And Rahab tells them what's going on in this city. And this is what she is saying to them. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt. And what you did in Sion and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts melted in fear and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. This is enemy territory. Forty years after it happened, they are still talking about it. They still remember what God did for the Israelites in the Red Sea and more recently how he had destroyed their enemies in the desert. The enemy remembered what God did for his people and they were terrified because of it. Satan remembers what God has done in your life. He desperately wants us to forget. 
He doesn't want us to set up memorial stones to remember and celebrate God. He will do everything he can to distract us, to congest our lives and our schedules so we don't take time to set up memorial stones. So we don't remember the almighty God and how he has delivered us and continues to deliver us. As disciples of Christ, our courage should soar instead of fail because we remember what God has done for us and who he is. The key word is remember. We need memorial stones in our life, reminders of God's power and faithfulness. When we remember, we are far more likely to stop and celebrate. So why is it so important to celebrate? When we stop to celebrate, it doesn't usually mean that life has somehow taken a turn for the better. It just means we stop to to take time to kind of take a stock of our blessings and what God has done for us. You see, the Israelites, when they crossed over the Jordan and they were in the promised land, they weren't home free. They weren't off the hook yet. They still had Jericho waiting. This was, this was a fortified city. How were they going to take it down? But they, didn't, they weren't thinking about that. They stopped to celebrate God. They stopped to celebrate what he had done in the last 40 years, the last you know, 470 years, all the way back to their ancestors when they were first exiled in Egypt. They took time to celebrate God. They set up these memorial stones so they would never forget who delivered them, who led them and provided for them in the desert, and who delivered on his promise even after so many years. You see, what makes celebration so sweet is not just the victory of something happening. It's the time it took something to happen and the struggles that we all had to endure to see it happen. It helps us realize that the hardships we endure along the way are so worth it. You know, for sports, the celebration at the end of the game, it's so much sweeter and intense and emotional If somehow your team was down in the dumps and they come back in the final minutes to win it, right? That victory, that sticks in your mind far more than most blowouts you see. And I experienced this last week for you, last week, um, for you Steelers fans out there, Steve and others. You came in on my Broncos with 24 unanswered points. And stole our joy from us in the final moments. <laughs> but it's, it's all about the entire journey. The hardships, the moments of uncertainty, the scary seasons of life, the daunting decisions and transitions we make, the potholes in life, really. That really makes the destination worthwhile. I want you guys to think about a few scenarios. Weddings, for instance. That can be a long time coming, right? We wait and we plan and we pray, women probably more than men, for most of our lives. And we encounter a lot of struggles in those years of waiting. And then finally the day comes. And now it's, it's really like a couple weeks of celebrations, all these parties and stuff leading up to the big day. And what a celebration it is. All those things you endured, all that waiting, it's so worth it. The birth of a child, for some it's nine months. For others, it's waiting even longer because you experience trials of, of, of conceiving. And so that waiting, but when that, when that child comes along, oh boy, is it such a joy 
and a celebration. Graduation. See, I think the celebration was sweeter for myself because it took me six years to graduate than you four-year people. Um, but, but what a celebration. That's a lot of work. Uh, college is not easy. It's not like you sign up to go play sports all the time, although that was my first semester. That's probably why it took me six years. Um, but the celebration is sweet because there was so much work put into it. Job promotions. Sometimes they get put off longer than other, uh, than other times. And, and you work so hard and finally it has come. What a celebration with you and your family. Watching your kids grow up to become disciples. What a celebration. That's many years in the making. What hardships are you currently facing? What hardships are you currently facing? And what can these hardships lead to that you can hope for and celebrate? As we think of stones of remembrance, the reason we celebrate the good is not just to remember the good while we're going through the bad, but to give us hope that the bad can actually become the good. The hardships you are facing now can become stones of remembrance. I want to read a a little article about celebrating. Some psychologists wrote this. uh, they, They did this experiment. Three different groups of people. I'm going to just read it real quick. <clears throat> celebrating, in, celebrating our own lives on a daily basis is a way to develop an attitude of gratitude that can literally transform our outlook on life and our ability to more deeply enjoy what we already have. In fact, Dr. Robert Emmons, professor of psychology at the University of California, Davis, and the founding editor-in-chief of the Journal of Positive Psychology, conducted experiments to gauge how gratitude impacts human well-being. Along uh, along with some other doctors, I'm not going to say their names, uh, Emmons uh, did a study where they split several hundred people into three different groups, and all were instructed to keep daily journals. The first group wrote about each day's events without assigning qualities of good or bad to their observations. Group two was told to write about only the unpleasant experiences. And group three was instructed to make a daily list of things which they were grateful for. The results, daily gratitude writings resulted in higher reported levels of alertness, enthusiasm, determination, optimism, and energy. Even better... Those in the gratitude group experienced less depression and stress, were more likely to help others, exercised more frequently, and made greater progress toward achieving personal goals. Dr. Emmons' research also shows that those who celebrate their lives by practicing gratitude tend to be more creative, bounce back more quickly from adversity, have a stronger immune system and have stronger social relationships than those who don't practice gratitude. And I love this. I love how he closes it out. To say we feel grateful is not to say that everything in our lives is necessarily great. It just means we are aware of our blessings. Amen. I want to I call someone out here. Someone that, that both Catherine and I, we were talking about it. We feel does a great job at just celebrating everyday life. We're always amazed to hear just how she's always positive. And that's Tyler Cable. We have, we have, where is Tyler? There's Tyler. Um, A couple times a week after service, sorry, I see photographs. After service, 
Um, we, have, we have a group that circles up the teens, and we have good news sharing, sometimes on, uh, at midweek, sometimes even at, <clears throat> at our, our, fri- <clears throat> sorry, our Friday events. And we often have good news sharing. She is always raising her hand, talking about something that's going on in her life, something she's looking forward to or something that has happened. She's always celebrating. She's always remembering what God has done, and we really appreciate that about Tyler. You know, the end of the year, it can be so exciting. Whether it's because you had an awesome year and you're still enjoying the sweet nectar of everything that happened this year. Or whether you had a terrible year and you're just excited for a new year to start, to have a new beginning. It can be an exciting time no matter what has happened in the previous year. But no matter what has taken place, I want each of us to take time to set up memorial stones from our past year. Talk about these stones with one another. Think about what God has done in your life this year. On Christmas Day, Brian, my father-in-law, he led us in a family devo, and we talked about thin places from 2015, thin places in our life. And this idea of thin places, it's a Celtic concept that refers to times, places, seasons in life where our natural world seems to be ever so close to the supernatural world. Like the, dis- the distance between heaven and earth feels much thinner. When God's presence is almost palpable. The interesting thing is that when we were sharing, a lot of the things that we shared from 2015, not all of them were just mountaintop experiences. Some of them were, were challenges and hardships that we went through, but that where we felt closer to God during those times. So maybe this idea of thin places resonates with you. I know for me, it just helped me put kind of a phrase, an easy phrase to those times in life. The point of these memorial stones in these thin places is to remember and celebrate. And practically, I wanted to get our celebratory juices flowing a little bit as we look back at 2015 to remind us of what God has done in the South Bay Church. I'm going to roll through this really quick. Um, and, and I'm sure you guys have many other uh, mem- memorial stones that you can think of. But we launched our first impressions ministry. It's done a great job welcoming us to church every Sunday. Thank you, guys. We launched our South Bay Christian Business Leaders Group, which I hear is, is a, great, uh, a great time every Friday morning. I'd really love to be a part of it uh, one of these mornings. But great job launching this, uh, this group that really meets the needs of business leaders and how they can be um, men of God in their work environments. We had six teens baptized in South Bay this year, which is awesome. Xander, who is now one of our teen leaders, Abby Hood, Kylie Anderson, Ryan Toomey, Jameson Craig, and Cheyenne Jackson, who's down in Orange County. We have many other teens uh, studying the Bible and growing in their relationship with God. We continued serving our community through, through numerous successful hope projects and individual efforts especially uh, with senior citizens, kids in foster care, homeless individuals in Santa Monica, and in local schools. We had 120 people attend our worship ministry workshop, which is awesome because that means that people have this, more and more people have this desire to serve God with their talents. So encouraging. We had well over 500 people attend our Easter service, Breakfast at the Beach. 
which is awesome. Uh, regional marriage retreat. We had a phenomenal marriage retreat down in San Diego where um, uh, the Meads led us. What a fun time, that, that couple. Um, but we had a great time. And that, that helped transition into the married series that we had, uh, where we had tons of our friends come out to go through this marriage series with us in our homes. Personal celebration for me is that we moved here back in May, which, which has been such a tremendous blessing. Definitely one of the thin places in the year for me. Nearly $450,000 was given by the whole coastal L.A. region to, to missions, both locally and around the world. Our youth and teen camps uh, had a tremendous impact on, on our youth and teens this year. Many people came back with just life-changing experiences. Um, and I also want to send a special shout-out to those who volunteered to be counselors. What you did to serve at youth camp, it will forever be remembered. I, I still look back at letters I wrote and included my counselors in those letters of like my experience. So thank you. What a great uh, time we had over the summer. Many guests we had at our Harvest Fest just a couple months ago and community group leaders and especially Davida did a phenomenal job setting all of that up. Um, and we had more guests. We had more guests than members attend our, our night at the Nativity, uh, which is awesome. It means we're getting the word out into our community. So great job there. And finally, really the celebration that we all look forward to that our brother Scott Hachia got to experience was finishing the race and going home to heaven. So before we launch into 2016, it is so important that we take time in the next few days to answer these questions. What, thing, what thin places can you think of from 2015 where you felt so close to God? When you, when you answer this question, write these thin places down. Talk with your spouse about them. Have a family devo. Talk to your roommates about them. Grab a stone from your yard or a stone from the beach and write it on a Sharpie and, and put it on a shelf. How will you set up? The second question is how will you set up memorial stones for these thin places so you will remember and continue to celebrate God's power and deliverance in the future? So with these questions, my one, my one challenge or practical or whatever you want to call it is set up 2015 memorial stones. Just as Joshua told these 12 guys, go set up these memorial stones so we will never forget. How will you set up your 2015 memorial stones? Another, another thing I want us to each think of, because when we think of memorial stones, we can think of these grand events that have happened. These like maybe two, three times a year. Wow, that was an amazing experience. But just a daily practical, when you start your day, think about what you're grateful for from the day before. First thing you do, whether it's, well, actually, whether it's driving to work, moment you sit down at your desk, the moment you wake up, what am I grateful for from yesterday? Write it down, text it to someone. As we transition into our time of communion, uh, the most important thing we do together each week is take time to remember Jesus Christ. He is why we are here right now. He is the reason why we have fellowship with God and fellowship with one another. And in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 6, I'm just going to read it. You don't have to turn there. It says, for in Scripture it says, see, 
I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone. And the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. You see, God has set up his own memorial stone for us. His son dying on the cross to redeem us. As the bread and the juice are being passed, take time to pray and remember what uh, remember God's memorial stone for us, Jesus Christ. Remember how he died for you. Remember how he loves you. Remember how you've never been disappointed when you believed in him. I'm going to close it out with a few lines from a song and then I'll pray. Lest I forget Gethsemane. Lest I forget thine agony. Lest I forget thy love for me. Lead me to Calvary, just in case you have forgotten. Let's go to Calvary right now at the foot of the cross and remember what Jesus has done for us. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much uh, that we get this time to celebrate you, to remember what you have done for us. Jesus, thank you for enduring everything you went through in your life on this earth. And being nailed to a cross for love of your father, for love of our father, and for the love of us. So that our sins may be forgiven. Thank you for this time to remember you. I pray that, Lord, in our lives we would never forget who you are. That we would never forget about how you have delivered us and how you have redeemed us. And how uh, you didn't stop at anything to show your love for us. Lord, we remember you and celebrate you right now and pray these things in your son's name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the South Bay Church podcast. For other sermons, videos, upcoming events, and more about our church, please visit southbaychurch.us. 